Every Christian married person you talk to would openly and rightfully say that affairs are bad. Mm-hmm. Yet, here's the tragic part, they still happen. And they still happen among Christian people. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and not, not just that, but they happen among professing church-going, attending, church-attending believers. Mm-hmm. It's, it's tragic. So why does that happen? Well, I mean, the short answer is we're sinners in a broken world. But like every sin, I think there's something, there's there's things that lead up to it, right? There's there's red flags, there's mm. things that we're either ignoring or we don't know about mm. uh, that we begin to fall into. So this episode's all about seeing those signs on the horizon. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, we're calling it the anatomy of an affair. In other words, what does an affair look like in its budding stages? Mm. What circumstances lead to the gestation of an affair that would mm-hmm. then bring it to bear in the life of a married couple? What are what are the those warning signs? So we're going to explore that here today in great detail, and we trust you'll find it helpful. We'll see you on the other side. So no couple, I love that you wrote this. You said no couple is immune to temptation and every couple must talk proactively, strategize and act to shield themselves from isolation and temptation that can lead to an affair. Yeah, and we'll talk about this more soon. But we it's funny, we there's no other area in life where we think, oh, I'll just neglect that thing and that, that thing will still flourish. Right. Like, you know, if you don't clean out your car, it's going to be just a massive monumental pile of mess. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't clean your house, it's not going to get cleaner by default. It's going to get worse. Oh, how I wish that was not the case. If you don't maintain your health, your health will not just naturally get better. It will decline because we live in a fallen world. But in this, for some reason in this area of marriage, couples just are deluded. And I, I mean this, okay, we work in this space. We talk to a lot of couples and I don't mean that we are, you know, willing, you know, badly for our marriages, but if we just think that if we Kind of, we don't have to actually do any coast, work. Right, we just coast, right? And we're not yeah. proactive about uh, maintaining our covenant, maintaining honesty and truth and transparency and working on our marriage. We have this, I think you're saying, disillusionment that our marriage is going to be fine. It's going to flourish. Like, we'll never have an affair. We'll never, you know, we would never do that, right? We would never let that right. happen. But ironically, or I don't know what the word would be, but the lack of maintenance actually allows there's drift that happens Mm -hmm. um, because you don't just sit we're not just unified automatically right we're two sinners broken and so we're going to drift we're going to drift apart so we have to be proactive about how we uh, live in unity how we are one flesh so there's three purposes in mind with this episode really quickly is as we talk about the anatomy of an affair as we go through this our hope is that it will help you detect it early Mm -hmm. in your own heart Mm -hmm. or see signs of withdrawing or isolation mm. in your own heart, okay? Right. Then we're hoping that we'll help you detect it early in your own marriage, if you, maybe you see some of these signs between you and your spouse. Mm-hmm. And finally, we want, hope to help you give discernment among your, your own Christian, Christian brothers and yeah. sisters, because that's what you're there for. If you see something, if you see them cr- heading toward a cliff, it, it, you need to be the one to say, hey, there's a cliff. Yeah. These are the signs I'm seeing. Is the cliff there? Am I seeing? And, and hopefully the Holy Spirit will infuse those conversations right. with honesty and truth. Right. So for today, we're hanging our hat on Mark chapter 10, mm. starting in verse 7. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. So the two things that kind of jumped out at me as I was just reading through that passage, preparing for this, 
is that there's this leaving of father and mother, there's this separating, and then there's this the leaving and cleaving, holding mm-hmm. fast. I think, sorry, I just think it's interesting that the husband holds fast to the wife <laughs> and not the I wife. Like a I, always, bear. I always picture the wife like clinging so hard to I'm picturing to the husband, me but. holding onto you like a koala bear on a eucalyptus <laughs> tree. <laughs> that's what I'm picturing because that's what it's like. And then at the bottom of this verse, so in verse nine, <laughs> saying that I'm very clingy. That's what I'm saying. Uh, it says, what therefore God has joined together, mm. let not man separate. Mm. And there's obviously a greater context to that passage. I think we can still discuss it in these terms and just talking about how as man, as Mm -hmm. humans, are we prone to separating that which God has joined together? Mm -hmm. Yeah, while still maintaining the integrity of the context. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, Warning up front. Well, it's it's a mild warning. There may be, I'm not sure exactly how the conversation will come out, but there may be some stuff that uh, might not be appropriate for younger ears. So you've been advised, um, uh, maybe, I don't know, to put a headphones in or whatever. Um, real quick, if you're not familiar with who we are, my name is Ryan. This is my lovely wife, Selena. We're the Faces Voices founders of Fierce Marriage, Fierce Parenting, the Fierce Family on YouTube. If you're listening to this on the podcast, go ahead and find us on YouTube. We're mm-hmm. we're really hoping to grow out that community because I just think there's much more, I don't know, it's fun to have a little more interaction. interaction I think a little more personal. T- yeah, comments can is, see. You can't really do comment interactions on podcast episodes. So we're doing most of that on the YouTube yeah. side, which I really yeah. love. We do post this stuff over to Facebook and Instagram if you're there. Uh, but the conversations really unfold on YouTube. Right. Um, so again, I'm going to reiterate this this premise here. So we're, it's all about the anatomy of an affair. Or what does an affair look like before it becomes a full-blown affair? What are those warning signs? Which, what do you mean by affair? Are you talking both emotional and physical? Yeah. Okay, just to be clear. Yeah, and so what are the signs and circumstances that lead to the emotional affairs or the physical affairs? Uh, And then how do we guard our marriage from an affair? How do we recover from Mm. one? We may not get into that recovery part. We do have a recommended episode that we'll give you at the end. a couple episodes about that. And then this importance equally is, excuse me, this question is equally as important. It's how do we support couples in our life Mm. who are recovering from an affair or are headed that way? Mm -hmm. Or you can can sense that there's some isolation and drift. Right, right. and so here's a caveat, though, <laughs> is that this episode is necessarily broad and that we can't really get into your specific circumstances. We don't know you mm-hmm. in most cases. We don't know you. We don't know who, who you are, what the circumstances are. There are tons of factors and contributors uh, to consider in this particular mm-hmm. conversation. But here's the thing. At the end of this, like I said, we'll give you some resources. If this is something that really resonates with you, we're not going to leave you hanging. Mm-hmm. We're going to do the broad overview have a conversation, and then we'll give you some resources to go deeper as you find appropriate in your context. So a lot of this was written um, not from personally experiencing an affair, but having walked uh, face-to-face close with couples who have experienced uh, an affair. And so these are things that, and we've also done a, a lot of research on it as well because the signs are pretty obvious. The signs are, yeah. they're, they're consistent. And so um, I think, yeah, so we'll break them into three big categories. Okay, let's see how you did that. So, mm-hmm. when again, talking about what what are the early signs, three big categories. I'm just the same here, and then we'll, we'll go into each one. The first one is increased distance and isolation. Mm. The second big category is boundary erosion. So you start to see the boundaries that you had that you know are healthy. They start getting blurry and, and gray and harder to distinguish. Mm-hmm. Uh, those will begin to erode. Then the final one, and this is just a general category, it's other warning signs, mm-hmm. okay? And th- like things like vague communication, excuses, and... Um, your history. So uh, let's talk about the first one. Um, increased distance and isolation. Okay. Right. So in marriage, our default, even if you're believing 
you know, Christians, you're, you're in church, your default, unfortunately, on this side of glory is not going to be more connection. It's, it's going to be drift and isolation. And so there's some of that that's just goes with the territory of marriage. You right. need to continue to build intimacy. Mm-hmm. But if that gets to a kind of inflection point where that distance and that isolation gets so far that right. you, you start to lose sight of one another, then these other kind of delusions start to work their way in and where you start to believe a lie mm-hmm. about the nature of your marriage or the nature of your commitment, the nature of what biblical love is, the nature of what God thinks. You start to kind of believe lies right. and half-truths in those right. areas because you're, you're losing distance. You're losing sight of the shore. Well, uh, yeah. You're and drifting I would, out and you're, you're, you're being, you know, crowded not, out by the fog and distance. Yeah, you're not being saturated by right. the things of God, which our first point in this increased distance and isolation is the isolation from God. You have... No devotional life to speak of. You know, when, you, when you're when you asked, you never, there's never really any substance there. Um, mm. You aren't really praying to God. And, and, you know, it is, isn't it somewhere that like, what is the, a prayer life? like prayers are, isn't it when there's sin, how does, I don't know. I've always. It, well, okay. So there's, there's. Is there a blockage? Again, I'm thinking of, <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking of somebody who kind of looks the part on the surface. Right. But there is something deeper there that only the spouse can see and only you can see for yourself mm-hmm. in yourself. Mm-hmm. And so you might be going to the church meetings and praying out loud in some cases. You might be standing there agreeing in prayer. But if there's no personal prayer life mm. to speak of. Right. If that's your personal prayer life. Or if, you know, it's, if your prayer life is purely convenience-based mm. and not based on any sort of desire to commune with the living God, mm. that's a big red flag. Um, and so, again, isolation from God is the is what we're talking about now. Uh, here's another huge one in terms of isolation from God is you have you have excuse me habitual and persistent sin or addiction, right? So this is funny. I, you stumble so often, you wonder if you're. If you, I've been a part of small groups where you talk to guys, and it's like every week it's like there's a stumble, right? And there's always a stumbling, and there's part of that which is just working out your faith. But at some point, you start to wonder. It's like, man, he stumbles so often. I'm wondering if he's even walking. <laughs> If he's even walking out his faith. Yeah, sure. Because it's like, it's stumbling just a way of of existing. Right. When really God calls us to walk in the light. So walking is something that we can and are capable of doing. And to be clear, we're not talking about moralism or, or what is the term? Uh, uh, legalism Mm -hmm. that somehow by acting right you're going to be saved no but we're talking about the actual outworking of having been saved Mm -hmm. is naturally going to be the sanctification Mm -hmm. through the word through Mm -hmm. the holy spirit through prayer through christian community which is another category we're talking about um this and again i'm i'm picturing uh well we've seen themes of this yes recently um not just in our own lives but in I mean, you see it in the media, right? There's there's mega churches and people that are in employment and leadership and ministry. Um, there was a big that report f- that just came out with the SBC that was, you know, they've been, right. for decades, there were s- sexual misconduct that had been mm-hmm. covered over for, carpet, for, yeah. for years. Yeah. And so you can even be in the middle of church employment or ministry and still isolating yourself from God. Right. And don't think that that employment will... Um, keep you outside of the target of the enemy, right? Like I think, oh, I think inside, more, yeah. yeah, exactly. So, but, but be careful to not assume that your vocation, your ministry vocation verifies your faith mm-hmm. because that's very possible to put on a facade because that's what people love mm-hmm. and it's easy to feed the ego and in that way. But all at, the while, you're not actually yeah. placing your faith in God. You can get good at doing that too. Um, and so I, I have another question is how can someone who is, and this is maybe a rhetorical question, 
how can someone who's earnestly seeking God in the Word and prayer and persist, uh, how can that person persist in unknown temptation and unconfessed sin? And I would argue that it's not possible. Because um, uh, I would say it's, maybe I put it this way, it's not impossible. It's just a lot harder to persist in sin if you're cons- consistently entering into yeah, God's presence. He will convict you of yes, that. Yes, the Holy Spirit is faithful. Yeah. So that's the first area of isolation. The second one, um, isolation from God. The second one is isolation from your spouse. Right. And so you'll see drift happening. You'll see patterns. It, it usually begins in how you communicate with each other, right? How you're you're either cold or distant or there's kind of a, a quick shortness in the communication. Right, or very surfacy. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not always the case because some are better at hiding it than others, mm. but you'll realize there's no or little intimacy in how you communicate to one another. There's also no to little intimacy mm. physically with one another which is usually a symptom of finding satisfaction in other places, not necessarily mm-hmm. the affair yet, but having that habitual sin, pornography, mm-hmm. namely being something that's being um, constantly divulged in or um, indulged in, I should say. Yeah. Um, another, another aspect of coldness is you have very little quality time. Okay. And this is the tricky one because if you're in the stage of life that we're in, okay, so young kids, it's really easy to crowd out our time with one another with good things. Mm-hmm. Right, I'm reading a good book. I've got these kids, which are blessings. Right, I've got all this ministry work to do. Uh, personally, I'm constantly, I'm, I'm very part time in getting a seminary degree, and mm-hmm. so there's always work to be done on that front. It's good work, and all the while, if we're not careful, that yeah. good work will crowd out uh, and justify our lack of connection with one mm. another. And it'll, pro- and here's the key: it'll provide a cover for increasing isolation. Right, right. So you justify it, um, and then before you know it. Uh, you are, again, losing sight of one another. This is why and we won't get on this this hobby horse much here, but this is why prioritizing dates and connection is an mm-hmm. absolute must. Mm-hmm. And it's not just going someplace and spending $100 eating food in <laughs> a different That's how much place. it costs these days. <laughs> I know. They, uh, <laughs> Food's getting expensive. <laughs> but it's actually connecting in that time yeah. and saying, like, yeah. how, how can I see your soul yeah. in this time? Engaging with one another. I think it's so, yeah. it's such a, it's such a huge thing. Um Third isolation. Isolation from Christian community. And I think this is one of the the big ones. I mean, I think you can notice with your spouse how they're maybe drifting and how you guys are feeling more isolated with one another. But the biggest one, at least if you are involved in mm. a Christian community, is um, the beginning of the isolation of that, right? There's no real friendships of any depth uh, with the same sex. So like having more of a friendship with someone of the opposite sex than you do with someone of the same sex. And I don't know, you can chalk that up to personality, but I just don't know that it's godly for women to be having close friendships with men, especially if they're all married. That doesn't make a lot of sense I can't think of a scenario where that's going to be good. Yeah. But what do you mean by depth? So if you are, uh, so if you have a friend of the same sex and the conversations rarely get past whatever the hobby is, whatever mm-hmm. the mutual interest is. You never get into the, what does the word of God say? And how does this word of God bear its weight on my right, heart? Right. How should it bear its weight on your heart, friend? That's what I mean by depth. Yeah. And it's not, and, and even in that, you can fu- you can feign depth. Yeah. You can act deep without actually being deep. And right. so what that takes is a certain, hmm. with, with a certain, uh, you have to be introspective in a way that's actually true and transparent. And mm-hmm. you're, and, and the only way you can do that is if you are uh, confessing your sin, which is another aspect of Christian community. If there's yeah, no confession of yeah. sin and repentance, first to God and then to one another, uh, how can that be a real friendship? Because everyone is 
somehow fighting their flesh, fighting their mm. sin, needing prayer, needing more sanctification. And so many times somebody who's drifting into an affair is, is going to be isolated from this type of healthy Christian community. Um, and part of that also comes with a lax view of the church mm-hmm. and a la- and I'll say this and a lax view of doctrine mm-hmm. because you can have lots of or or a combination of the two right right um, so you have a lot you can you can be really involved in church but your views of doctrine have turned your involvement into basically just a social club because you're right. not actually engaging with the deeper things of God mm. we don't actually see God as God we see God as just the, yeah a, a name on the on the title of the church or <laughs> And he's not actually maybe his not his even that. his law doesn't even yeah maybe not <clears> even <throat> that. his law doesn't bear any weight on your heart right because you've not actually you've taken a very lax view of doctrine mm. it's irrelevant it doesn't matter well I'm here to tell you doctrine matters <laughs> doctrine does. matters mm. in every fathomable fathomable way um, so uh, here's a question uh, in that in that vein do you have true Christian community and what do we mean by that I don't just mean Christian friends we talk about this. At great length in our book, See Through Marriage, what does it mean to have true, distinctive Christian community? Mm. Uh, here's a few aspects of it. You actually are committed to one another. It means mm-hmm. you're going to work things out even when it gets hard. Uh, you're going to be truly transparent. Being There's going to be by one another. Yeah. Gospel centrality, meaning that you don't meet around the cult of personality that is the church. You meet around the gospel. And the church is the outcome of which of means that my personality. You may not like my personality, but we are meeting under the gospel, yeah. the umbrella of the gospel. And so yeah. Even if I don't like your personality, I can still find value in a conversation with yeah. you because you're made in the image of God. We both struggle. Let's work this out. Let's figure out how to be yeah. uh, on the same page. So, yeah, the gospel centrality, I feel like, is, is is huge. And how we love one another, right? That's another mark of a Christian, mark of the Christian life is um, we are first love. Be- we love because he first loved mm-hmm. us. And the mark of us is loving one another yeah. um, as Christ loves The final aspect of isolation is, um, and this one's huge, we're going to get a lot more into the I think more recognizable anatomy parts of yeah. an affair here. Um, isolation from accountability. Mm. So here's what I mean by that is when with asked your, with, with your, your spouse. spouse. So yeah. when asked, there's going to be some defensiveness or gaslighting. What mm. gaslighting is, is it's a manipulation tactic that basically makes the other person feel crazy for even asking the question. Mm-hmm. Like, can I see your phone? What do you think I would, what kind of person do you think I am? <laughs> do you think I would do anything? Like, why, how dare you? Like, you don't trust me? Now all of a sudden, She's, I'm not, I've turned the tables on you. Right. Now, instead of you asking me accountability questions, I'm accusing you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's a manipulation tactic that's isolating me from accountability. Right. Or in very, I think overtly, your spouse will hide their phone. They will lock it. They won't tell you the, the code to unlock it. They're hiding text conversations and messaging conversations. Mm-hmm. There's just general elusiveness around their phone usage. Um, and then here's the thing is they will always find ways to technically... Okay, so technically they'll justify some mm. questionable behavior while making you feel bad for even asking the question. And so you're like, why, why are you, why are you texting so and so? I don't get why you're doing that. Well, because I have to work out this. You know, it's for work, or mm-hmm. it's this, like, you know that it feels weird, right. right? And I know why it feels weird because it's drifting. Right. Maybe you haven't engaged in the emotional affair yet, or the physical affair yet. But there's something about it that there's I'm keeping about, obscured yeah, from you. Yeah, you, you, the fact that you enjoy getting the attention from. Sure that other person and the type of attention that you're getting from them right and so i can argue my way out of that because i can technically justify it there's a good reason to do that because i have work to accomplish and and i'm not letting you read the full text so it's like right and so you're now made to feel crazy for asking about it. which gets us into the second part of 
second major category. Major category, yeah. which is the boundary erosion. And yeah. I really liked how you titled that, by the way. Good job. Hey, go me. So connecting with the opposite sex in seemingly innocent ways, but appropriate ways, which is kind of that technicality yeah. of texting, messaging. How do we know when it's inappropriate? One on one. There's never a good reason for me to text any of our guy friends one on one. I've yeah. done that once or twice to ask about a certain gift for someone, but their wife is always included in that group yeah. text. I never am texting one on one, and if I do, he's always. There is no real reason. <laughs> I don't even know why there would be a reason, but for some reason, if there was a reason, he always knows about it. Like there's nothing, there's nothing hiding there, right? And one of the giveaways for that too is when it, the texting one on one will hop, oftentimes happen. Um, when you should be with your family, with your spouse, sure. or in other inappropriate times, like right. late at night, or um, you know when you should be working, right. or if it's taking you away, it shouldn't be one-on-one at all. But yeah. there's this will look a certain way, right. um, and even within the content of that, you could be joking and flirting. You're saying it's just a joke. We just we're friends. Right. We're just being friends. Right. And you could see it as flirting. You could see it as a joke. Right. You only know how that looks yeah. and how that feels yeah. and, and and you can either own it and say you know what you're right it's drifting that way I need to repent and turn or mm. you can go even further down that hole and make everyone who asks you feel crazy for asking you <laughs> um, so another way that we could uh, uh, connect and have our boundaries erode when it comes to connecting with um, the opposite sex uh, is car, car excuse me car rides alone <laughs> together right so again the coworker scenario. Mm-hmm. All right. So Sally from accounting wants to go out. I should use office references here. <laughs> Angela. Angela. <laughs> you know, we, ha- we have a work meeting or whatever. So we're going to ride together. Right. Or we have, um, you know, we just decided to go get lunch together because we both need to eat. Right. And we're friends. And right, right. what's wrong with that? Well, why you got to go just the two of you? Yeah. If it's go a work thing, else. ask some more people to go. Right. Yeah. Th- there's no reason to be one on one. And sometimes you could justify it. Hey, we're at this work event we're having we're traveling we're not staying in the same hotel room so right. back off it's not right. like we're just getting dinner and drinks together well okay gateway to bad decisions right <laughs> um hello temptation yeah that's a piece of advice don't drink when you're on work trips alone just don't do it because mm-hmm. it's uh, it lowers your inhibitions um so that's uh, yeah going on work trips and spending time alone together um for work and here's the other thing or for ministry mm-hmm. there's going to be opportunities um Maybe where you're in a, a ministry scenario, or you're working for a nonprofit, yeah. or you're working for a church, where you can go to a retreat together, or go on some sort of you know go to a conference right. or whatever. You have every excuse in the world and, to say, "Hey, we got to go meet and talk about this," and right. yada yada. Yeah, and and again, boundaries are being eroded. It's not that you're going to have a, a, a tryst, an affair, right? It's that the boundaries are being eroded. Right. This is how it starts right. to look. This right. is where it begins. Okay, and so moving on to the, the next part of this, again, boundaries eroding. You have seemingly innocuous but inappropriate touching. Right. Okay, so, <laughs> yeah, or like, yeah, when you're laughing, you know, touch a shoulder or a leg or uh <laughs> Sorry, I just, think leg. Of, I just think of, this is not, we shouldn't be laughing, but I'm, I'm thinking of Toby on The Office when he, oh, so they get cringy. locked out of the office, or they get locked in the parking lot of the office and he like laughs, somebody says a joke and he puts his hand on Pam's leg and Jim's so just cringy. like, 
Why are you touchy? Yeah, they're all just. And he's and like, he, oh, I think I'm gonna go home. Yeah, and he runs and like hops the fence. It's so awkward. But anyways, yeah, well, so it should have been awkward. Yes, because it was inappropriate. Yeah. So again, this could seem technically fine. You'd be like, I didn't. You know, I was just touching your shoulder. Like, there's nothing wrong with touching someone's shoulder. Right, and you can argue right. your way out of it, and you can make everyone who asks about it right. feel like they're just complete and utter prudes. Right. Right. But you know, just such a which is such a. A right. telltale, right? Yeah, and so if you ask them about it, then you're the one that's made to feel bad. Right. Now, here's here's the, right the litmus test. <laughs> yeah. Because if someone's doing that and they're truly unaware and they're laughing and they just, you know, they touch a coworker in, in a way that could be construed like we're discussing here. If someone said that to me, I'd be like, oh, no. Yeah. I'm sorry. I did not mean to do that. That was not my intention. I need to ask you for forgiveness. Right. I'll ask her for forgiveness if you think I should. I'm really sorry. Right. Like that to me feels like a very... Easy response if that's your heart orientation. Right, right. You're not getting defensive. You're right. not making excuses. Absolutely. Um, another one of inappropriate touching is probably like hugging too much. That's a church culture thing, man. People just like to hug all the time, I think. And I don't weird. anymore. I'm like, that's weird. We'll side to, hug a little bit, but like, I don't, we don't really do that. Like women know. hug women yeah. and men can do whatever they do with guys. I've always understood or the, whatever. I've always understood and embraced the not hugging women thing. It's just, I've not felt comfortable with that. And I used to hug a lot of my guy friends more. Like it was a bro thing. Yeah. And like something happened over the last year and a half where I'm just like, I don't want to hug you. I just... <laughs> I care about High you. High five, man. Like, yeah. Yeah, we'll shake hands. Yeah. Let's Maybe be men. it's more. <laughs> anyway, uh, it's not trying to be judgmental, right? On no, that. yeah. But I just. They're, they're, but you know. You know when the hugs are getting know. a little too huggy. And this is, this is you looking in at yourself, okay? This isn't something where you're just pointing the finger at your spouse and saying, you're hugging so and so too much and I don't like it. You need to stop. Um, I think that's okay to call them on it, but really that's our heart here is saying, like, you know when. when yeah. This is either, I guess you know either way, whether it's you or. Right. Um, uh, the final area where boundaries are eroded is your thought boundaries. Yeah. Okay. So where you are, um, y- y- you can't really know this about your spouse. You can know this about yourself again, yeah. where you're fantasizing about life together with the other person. Yeah. And it might be like you're not having steamy fantasies, but you are thinking about like, oh, I bet he would be a lot more like loving toward me or he would he would say, say nice, nice things th- to me <laughs> he would open the door for me like my <laughs> husband who just shuts it in front of me <laughs> sorry this is not funny it's funny to us because sometimes i do that to you just to mess with you. <laughs> um or you're or you do take it to that next level and you're actually fantasizing about this other person because mm-hmm. you kind of let you've um you've given yourself over mm-hmm. and you think well there's you know i'm not acting on it i'm just right. you know i can't you recognize that maybe the thoughts are inappropriate but they're your thoughts. Mm-hmm. And so you you rationalize it by saying, I'm never going to act on this. I'm mm-hmm. just, and I didn't, I didn't mean to think about it, but I, I just kind of let myself think about it longer than I should have. Yeah. Yeah. That's a sign. That's a sign that there's boundaries being eroded, that mm-hmm. you have behind that, that justification, you have lowered your view of holiness. You have lowered your view of the covenant you have mm-hmm. with your spouse. You've lowered the view that God has of your covenant with your spouse. And in a way, you've lowered the view of the person you're fantasizing about because you're objectifying them right. in a way that God would not be honored by. Right. So good. So recognize it for what it is. I think we can be really, it's really easy for us to trick ourselves. Right. And I don't know, this, hopefully this doesn't come across wrong, but I think that we are not perfect. And I'm not saying, I, I think there's been surfacey levels where we have been found guilty of probably some of these things and not all consistent, not all at once, but I think there's, just don't look at us as if we're like perfectly got it together. We've seen these from the outside um, happen and 
go into full-blown affairs. But we've also, you know, I think experienced certain things at certain levels that were like, oh man, like we had to practice repentance and we've had to practice bringing hard things to the table and be known in those ways. And so I will say, I mean, I think it's a maintenance I think thing this as is well. Maybe, and then I don't want to throw you under the bus here. I know, I think this is something that wives probably struggle with yes, on a different, I would say. in a different way. I won't say more I would or say less. in the thought boundaries probably. Especially well, like imagining a life too. together. Yes, that's and, that's the equivalent of probably you know because i found out early on and i'm just going to be completely honest like the whole like temptation to flirt with someone of the opposite sex whether it's work or whatever it dissipates really fast when you actually see like a a human being there because you're like wow my i actually did marry an awesome person and this person's i'm just i'm romanticizing it right i'm i'm if you think through all the different implications of what a relationship with that person would be like it's really you really quickly realize that it's pointless right and so i don't I'm not trying to exonerate <laughs> well, I better myself. just stay with my spouse because <laughs> well, no. well but you yes you count your blessings and right. you also see the thing rea- with in reality and you yes. realize it's not this romanticized picture that right. I've conjured it and nothing ever will be, be right like even yeah. I just don't think that's ever the case I think when you marry each other and you honor that covenant there is a lot of blessing and goodness mm. to be had um, and joy yes the equal like hardships and uh challenges and frustrations things you have to walk through but uh the fact that you are with each other through that and Mm -hmm. that the god and god is with you and present is that's the way to go thousand percent so last part uh other warning signs these are just kind of i think the miscellaneous yeah so this is this will be indicative of anyone or i guess typical of anyone who is in any sort of secretive living whether it's through addiction sin whatever is there will be vague communication Mm mm-hmm um, and there will be lame excuses for, for things that you ask. So uh, in other words, like unplanned absences. Like, why are you home so late? Oh, I just I had to stay late for X or Y reason. Mm-hmm. Late nights at work, you have delays, you have reasons. They will oftentimes, you'll find reasons or they'll find reasons to be away from you. Mm-hmm. Um, and Consistently. It, and yeah. it can be consistent and, and you might wonder, but in the back of your mind, you, you still want to believe the best and trust the best. And we're not trying to read... Um, suspicion in your marriage. We're trying to help you notice some warning signs, mm-hmm. and we hope that you're not walking away from this, listening to this thing. I need I need to be more suspicious of my spouse. That's not what we're trying to do here. But um, just if you have a question, you should get a straight answer. Is what I'm trying mm-hmm. to say. Mm-hmm. If and if you if you feel as if your trust is being eroded, mm-hmm. um, you need to express that. Mm-hmm. Say I'm having a hard time trusting this because you didn't really give me a clear answer. It's been consistent. Mm-hmm. I don't think you're being honest with me. And please correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, and but help me understand. Help me understand. Yeah. And it's not an accused, you're not accusing them. You're not Policing assuming them. the worst, right? Yeah. Paul says love hopes the best, hopes yeah. all things. Yeah. Um, but we're just trying to kind of put these on your radar. Um, another uh, kind of um, vague communication. This is not the right category for it, but another sign, I guess, would be late nights awake but not in bed hmm. um, or in bed but on the phone, mm-hmm. right? And, and up late, maybe well after you fall asleep or going out to the computer or whatever. Right. Um, so right. that's that's a sign. Um, and then another kind of warning to consider is history. Okay, so if you married somebody, they were all saved by grace alone, by faith alone, through Christ alone, mm-hmm. right? I didn't get that completely right, but you get the point. So, but the, we have histories we have to deal with and mm-hmm. we have different patterns of thinking that we have to deal with that are being sanctified at varying rates and degrees. Mm-hmm. So if you married someone who had a history of promiscuity, 
prior to meeting you, they have a uh, that can be sanctified out of them, and that has happened and will happen. But there are chances that it's not completely mm-hmm. like there's patterns of thinking that were there at one point and may or may not be completely. Right, they're probably heavily ingrained, and so the Holy Spirit right. is and can be fully at work to disingrain those thought patterns. But again, we all have our challenges and sin that we're dealing with, and so. So what is the history uh, recognizing there? that? Yeah, recognizing the, yeah. that. And I think the thing with this conversation, yeah. yes, acknowledging it is again, it's not just usually one thing. There's usually a culmination of a lot of these things that we've been talking about in this whole conversation. And so the being up late at night, if if your spouse is up late at night on the phone and that's like the only thing, well, I mean, it doesn't hurt to ask and talk about mm-hmm. it, but again, it doesn't demand that you police them and question them and, and interrogate them. But well, I mean, that combined with, so there, that's are, what I'm saying, there yeah. are many nights where Selena's asleep and I'm on my phone, right. like, because I've... Like, I'm not proud to say that because you're not supposed to have your phone in your bedroom because you sleep terribly. I sleep like a baby, <laughs> but I'll be like, you know, watching videos on YouTube or something mm-hmm. silly. Duck videos. He likes watching. My Instagram feed is pigs. insane, by the way. Monster baby trucks pigs. and pigs. <laughs> baby pigs. I don't know how I got there, but I'm there and I love it. Um, but but that that's in itself is, is fine because Selena knows at any moment she can say, let me see your phone. And I'd be like, okay, well, fine. Yeah, Have you fun. should watch this great. one. This is what he says. <laughs> watch this. And there's no messaging history. There's nothing that... But if you have a spouse who is showing like they're, they're up late on their phone yeah. and you say, hey, who are you talking to? No one. Go to bed. Like, it's not in your business. Wow. I need, I need my privacy. <sighs> okay. So these are warning signs. Yeah. Okay. So we don't want to leave you there. What are some ways to combat this? How do we actually... Uh, move forward now yeah. we're 35 minutes into this episode so we're going to honor your time but here are some really tangible ways forward um productive tangible ways forward i should say truth honesty and depth mm-hmm. okay truth and honesty they go hand in hand but truth is recognizing a truth god's word is good and true mm-hmm. and right honesty about who you are in light of that and who god is in light of it what he's calling you to and then depth in those conversations right which means you're in the word you're praying together you're in christian community together that's a, a way forward. So and fighting for true connection with one another. And don't settle. This is key. Don't settle for those shallow conversations. Mm-hmm. Go deeper. Yeah. Go deeper with one another. Ask questions. Give true answers. Fight for that together. Right. That's a blessing of your covenant. That's a, a privilege of your covenant, I guess yeah. you should say. And then another sign, and this is, again, it's really hard for an affair to fester and to begin if this is the case, if your life is one of repentance. Mm-hmm. Think about it. Yeah. Hey, Martin Luther opened his uh, the um, the ninety five theses like this. He said, uh, "the uh, the very first sentence was this: Our Lord and Master Jesus Christ willed the entire life of believers to be one of repentance. Mm. And repentance is such a gift. It is a gift because you know who forgives? It's Jesus Himself. Yeah. And so it's not like we're just groveling and constantly in this state of, you know, lo- you know, like sackcloth and yeah. ashes. Right. It's this." I need the constant intervention mm. of Christ yeah. in my life. I am a sinner, dead in sin. I'm made alive in Christ, and I I will live as one living in Christ, mm-hmm. and that is to turn constantly from sin, Yeah, Amen. to turn constantly from it. And so, and here's the final thing, and I alluded to this earlier. How do you find a way forward? Do the work. <laughs> do the work in your marriage. Literally nothing else in your life can be left alone and you would expect it, would you expect it to grow? Like, right. And you never expect it to stay healthy, right? But for some reason, people think that their marriage will just kind of gravitate toward a place of health. And we're saying, no, prioritize your marriage. Right. Connect with one another, communicate, 
about God together. together. To each other, yeah. Pray together. Pray together for for one another. Pray together for your marriage. Mm-hmm. Pray together for your hearts to stay soft toward God, soft toward each other. Yeah. Um, and then work hard to establish and maintain healthy what we call threefold intimacy. So spiritual intimacy, that's mm-hmm. the praying together piece. Emotional intimacy, that's going deeper as a as a manner of being, as a manner of actually maintaining your marriage. Right. And then having physical intimacy in a rhythm, in a, in a with rhythms and routines that actually maintain it. Okay, because so often we just leave it up to spontaneity. Or are we right. both in the mood? Right. No, say like this is what's healthy for us. Let's fight for this. Mm-hmm. We know that we start to feel distant if we're not sexually intimate. Yeah this many times per week find that number work for it do so lovingly yeah. don't hold it over each other's head right. but remember you're serving one another in that um, um some we have some resources too for you yep the we've done a couple of past episodes but this one in particular rebuilding trust after betrayal uh check that out um, you can search for that. Just search. Yeah, I was say, how do you? You, you can, can go to our website any, and search yeah. for it. And there's that that the podcast and the transcript are there. Yeah. Or you can go to YouTube. Uh, actually, that one's not on YouTube, is it? No. Um, you can go to I think just the podcast Spotify app. Too, yeah. And I might put these links in the description on the on the podcast That'd episode as well. Um, and we actually have a a course uh, that actually it's called Seven Ways to Affair Proof Your Marriage. Mm-hmm. I think it's seven ways. <laughs> We'll just say seven. <laughs> it's it's a number of ways to affair proof your marriage. Um, and actually, that's part of our online learning platform. Um, so if you want to go deeper, that online pl- learning platform will help you do that. And mm-hmm. it starts by rooting your, your marriage in the gospel. And then you can then take this mini course called Seven Ways to Affair Proof Your Marriage. But don't try to do that without the gospel at the center. Right. So if you want to learn more, it's actually eight bucks a month. Super cheap. We lowered the price because we want more people in yeah. on it. We're actually doing a, a just a limited time thing. And go to gospelcenteredmarriage.com and you can find out how to sign up there. And then finally, there's a book. The book is called The Anatomy of an Affair. And I didn't know that <laughs> when, until you were writing this, when yeah. I was writing this podcast rundown. I didn't know that, but here we are. Um, it's by a guy named Dave Carter. And as far as I can tell, it seems like a really solid book. I've not read the book, of course, since I don't didn't know the book existed until <laughs> a couple hours ago. So we'll leave a link to that in the description. Yeah. You can just search for that on Amazon or go to the link that we leave. So with that said, if... Uh, all of this is you're, you're, you're hearing us talk. You hear us talk about connecting around mm-hmm. the truth of God. And you're wondering, what is the truth of God? Um, we're here to tell you the truth of God is this, that he loves you, he died for you, and he wants you to be part of his family. Mm-hmm. And the way you do that is you place your trust in the person and work of Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. It sounds simple, right? Well, it is simple, but it's also very profound. And so mm-hmm. we've set up a website for you to help you understand and to help you make, make steps in that direction. If you want to be a Christian, we want you to be a Christian. We want to call you brother or sister. The website is this, thenewsisgood.com. Just go there, read a little bit, check it out, find a church, boom, get into Christian community, start walking it out. Mm-hmm. We'd love to meet you one day, if not on this life, in the next. Uh, also, uh, we want to give you an opportunity. We mentioned to you, I don't know early on if we mentioned this, but this ministry, if this has blessed you, uh, the one of the primary ways that this ministry is sustained is through partners. So yeah. If it's blessed you and you feel compelled or led by the Lord to partner with us financially, you can do that. Just go to fiercemarriage.com slash partner, uh, and there's options there. You get some freebies if you are so inclined. Don't do it for that. Do it because the Lord is calling you. And know this, whether or not you partner with us, we're going to continue to make this content because Mm -hmm. we have this burden that God has put on our hearts to point couples to Christ and commission them for the gospel, and we'll keep doing that as long as the Lord allows. So with that said, why don't you pray us out? Okay. 
Lord, thank you for all the marriages listening. I pray for those that are struggling to know mm. whether or not an affair is budding or if there's sin and temptation that they are being made aware of in their hearts. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you make us aware of those things that we can bring to our spouse. God, that is the person who is on our team, who's on our side, um, who we've made a covenant with you. Father, I pray that there would be wisdom, discernment, and clarity around um, how to ask hard questions and how Mm -hmm. to um, lovingly prod uh, and not to start a fight, but to find true reconciliation and oneness in you, God. Uh, I pray that we would go forth in boldness, God, that we don't have Mm -hmm. to fear, that you've already overcome everything, including death, and we can walk in Mm -hmm. your spirit of truth and boldness. And again, we do not have to be afraid because you are with us. You never leave us or forsake us. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Thank you so much for watching to this point or listening to this point. Yeah. Love you guys. Thank you. And we hope this um, helps you. Remember, this is the whole point of this was to help you recognize signs of an affair kind of brewing in your own life, in your own heart, in your own marriage, but also in those around you. And may you wield this information wisely and with discernment as you move forward. But with that said, this episode of Fierce Marriage is... In the can. We'll see you again in about seven days. Until next time. Stay fierce. 